Okay, welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you for giving your time on a um, Sunday afternoon. And what I'd like to do in hopefully under an hour and and honor your time is to uh, talk about um, what we are doing this fall around the theme of hospitality. And what I'm planning to do is share with you a little bit about why I think it's important let you share with each other around a question I have for you, then give you an overview of what we're doing uh, uh, this fall, and then an invitation if you would like uh, some more uh, involvement, some more um, coaching, assistance, um, uh, and I'll explain that as we go along. But first, let's, let's pray. Gracious and loving Father, we thank you that you have created us and your image. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who loved us and welcomed us. And we pray now, Lord, that we might be encouraged and strengthened to welcome others in the way that you've welcomed us. And so as we talk, think, and pray in these months ahead about hospitality, um, lead us and guide us by your Holy Spirit. I bless you for uh, the people in this room, but not only for them, but for the so many others that they represent. I thank you for this church's long history of hospitality. I thank you for the church's long history of faithfulness and pray that as we um, walk in their line, we'll continue uh, their tradition. It is in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you uh, for being here. I want to talk about uh, what we're going to do this fall starting on Sunday, September 8th. Uh, We're going to be doing uh, sermons and then also Sunday school classes who are interested and small groups around the topic of hospitality. There's all sorts of ways to define hospitality. I thought I would give you a few of my, uh, my favorites. Uh, one of them, this comes from Donna Streeb, so I feel obligated to pass it on in her absence, so she'll be back this week. Uh, she likes this one, receiving the other from the heart into my own dwelling place. I thought that was interesting. That's from Marjorie Tyson. Uh, Christine Pohl, who wrote a book about 10 years ago, that when we had Duke interns, we were required as intern and intern supervisor to read the book together. Um, uh, And she defines hospitality as making room. Uh, Bishop Robert Stacey, who will be our new bishop starting September 1st, defines hospitality as radical welcome. the uh, new president of uh, the Fuller Seminary, uh, Joel Green, describes it this way, that hospitality is being open-handed to God and open-handed to others. And then I think of it, uh, last and least, as making a place for God and others, especially for the stranger, creating a space in our life for others. I want to suggest, and I think biblically I wouldn't have much problem backing it up, that hospitality is one of the major values of the Bible. Uh, As you may know, Israel um, is about 80% desert. And people simply don't survive in the desert without hospitality. Um, If you ever walk in uh, either the northern uh, Sinai or uh, the Judean wilderness, Uh, When you're walking in the wilderness, if you don't know where you're going, it all starts to look the same. And it gets extremely hot in the day. It can be cold at night. And so for people like 
Abraham and Sarah. For others who would come later, like Jacob, uh, the hospitality became a matter of life and death. This, this ability to uh, welcome and make a place for a stranger. It also took on great importance in the Bible because of their experience in the Exodus. As you know, um, as a result of Joseph ended up in, G- in uh, Egypt, uh, the people of God, uh, the Jews, ended up, the Israelites, in Egypt. And there uh, they were strangers and they were treated as slaves for the most part, not treated well. And so when Moses lays down the law from God, one of the things Moses will continually remind them of is how we are supposed to show hospitality, hospitality to widows, to orphans, and to strangers, and then we'll give this explanation because we ourselves were strangers in Egypt, and they did not receive us well. Um, when you get to the New Testament, and we'll, um, I'll be mentioning some of these passages later on, there are a number of theologians who say that the, the key verse in the New Testament is not really in the Gospels. The key verse in the New Testament comes from Paul in the 15th chapter of Romans, where Paul says in verse 7, Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. So Christ becomes our model and our reason for extending hospitality to the other. Um, and then if you move from the Bible and just move to our world, where the number one problem in, um, in America is typically reported as loneliness or, or some form that gets tied into loneliness, that the number one um, uh, reason that uh, people from uh, nations that are fairly uh, developed and technological have people run off and join ISIS or Al-Qaeda. Um, not sure about Boko Haram, but let's, uh, let's just stick with those two for the moment. It's most always the number one reason is some sort of social isolation. They don't find a place there. Of course, the, the famous story that you may be familiar with is Mao Zedong, who spent some time on the West Coast and never found a friend, never found any sort of acceptance. He goes back to his home country and engages eventually as he comes into power in policies and stuff that further isolate these two countries and, uh, and extend now in hospitality to those to whom he felt like did not receive him. And I'm sure the truth is bigger and much larger than that, but it, it's interesting when you look at the effects of people that are marginalized and, and, they're, not, uh, and they're not received. Um, so it becomes a biblical principle, but it becomes a practical necessity in our world that we welcome one another. It is a powerful witness in the Bible. And there are many biblical passages. I'm just going to give you one, and we'll get to it in a moment. But, but my, the favorite one is Abraham, for me, who is sitting in his tent, and these uh, three strangers um, uh, show up, and uh, he is... Um, um, in conversation uh, and then turns from the conversation that he's having with the Lord to these three strangers. Receives them, and of course what he doesn't know is the three strangers are in fact also the presence of God and, uh, the, and these three strangers before they leave tell Abraham and Sarah that they will have this child uh, by this time next year. But the rabbis had this most amazing take and that they said that it is appropriate to leave your prayer, your worship, 
your study to turn and extend hospitality to another. And of course, the the, um, uh, the controlling story they use for that is Abraham. The conversation with God turns from that to welcome these three wanderers who are in um, the desert. And then, of course, Jesus in Matthew 25 will talk about the sheep and the goats. And the interesting thing about the sheep and the goats is they both have the same uh, um, response uh, when Jesus said, well, you welcomed me or you didn't welcome me um, uh, when I was a stranger among you. And they're both like, well, when did that happen? Uh, and, of course, part of uh, what they had to learn is that when you show hospitality to, uh, to a stranger, then you are showing hospitality to the presence of God and the presence of Jesus. You'll remember perhaps Mother Teresa's famous line. They, they asked her what she sees in the, in the poor, the dying, the lepers. And she said, I see Jesus in distressing disguise. And so hospitality becomes critical all the way through the Bible. I think it becomes critical in our world. Um, both on practical and theological concerns. Now, to get us warmed up thinking about it um, tonight, um, uh, I, I want to give you a brief exercise. I want you to find three to four friendly people sitting around you and take turns answering this one question. What's the best welcome you've ever received into, could be uh, a club, could be a church, could be a family? As a, a new in-law, uh, what was the best welcome you've ever received into a new group? And then, just for fun, after everybody's had that chance, describe what the worst welcome uh, was like. My wife can tell you that uh, um, my brother got married in May of 1975, and in uh, June of, uh, July of 1975, my older sister got married, and between those two marriages, we announced to our parents that we were getting married. Two years hence, we were getting married. And mother, to welcome Pam in the family, put her hands on her head and said, Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> she might say that was not the best welcome that she's ever received. Fortunately, over time, we worked through it. So, anyway, find three or four people. That's right. What's the best welcome you've received into any group to which you were new, and what's the worst one? I'll call time at 520, and I promise you we'll move in good pace, and we'll be finished before 6 o'clock. So find some friendly people and uh, start this discussion.
And we tend to think of it in very uh, practical levels, like the welcome we received or not. But it becomes, I think, even more significant than that. I think hospitality becomes a way of being, and it, and it becomes a way that we connect with God and we connect um, with others. And so I, I, I'm hoping during this uh, series this fall that we can look at hospitality in, um, on, on a number of levels. Uh, most of you know me, so you know that I'm fairly linear. I just can't help it. Um, much as I want to be Eastern, it's very hard for me. So um, the way I'm breaking this down as we start the sermon series on September 18th is this sort of movement. To talk about what God has done to make a place for us, to welcome us. And then to talk about how we make a place for God. There's that beautiful passage where Jesus, in John 14, of course, my father's house in many rooms, but he also says that um, uh, as, as the word of God dwells in us, that uh, the, the, um, uh, God comes and makes a home and makes a place in us. And so we, we'll look at making a place for God. And then, and then uh, as a, an extension of... Uh, it's just a natural flow from this. How do we make a place for others? So that will be uh, the theme. So we'll have sermons 
Then we're hoping for Sunday school classes and small groups, videos, uh, uh, about seven to ten minutes. Uh, I'll go over them in a minute. Um, uh, the first four will kind of follow this flow. The last two, because just in God's wonderful uh, timing, um, uh, the last two Sundays were together coincide with the Feast of Sukkot, um, which has, has a very basic theme, hospitality in the desert. So uh, I, I think, it, it, and we just accidentally stumbled into this, um, we thought, but I think God has set this up. Um, so we will have activities around uh, Sukkot. Uh, you may remember the food trucks last year. Uh, some of the expansion that we have talked about are um, perhaps having even a community-wide opportunity where anyone in the community can come and participate in the food truck at our cost, not theirs. Um, as a way of welcoming, we uh, I think some groups have even discussed the possibility that maybe classes might even for a part of this time, so that they might get to know one another under this tent. Maybe even uh, do part of the study. Maybe even watch the video together. Uh, do some things are a possibility. Uh, we at the same time will be working diligently at at the kind of pragmatic things of campus-wide hospitality. What is a person's experience from the time they are in the parking lot until the time they end up in our um, worship services or Sunday school uh, classrooms and end up even in our new members class? What does that experience feel like for them? How can that be um, improved? So we'll be looking at that sort of thing. And then, as I think an exciting bonus, then um, I'm hoping among some of you who are leaders to join uh, with me um, in a discussion uh, uh, over several Sundays after this series about how we might become um, specifically more hospitable to different groups of people. Example, millennials or example, people that um, uh, might be of a different background than we are. And we're fortunate that uh, Jackie Freeman has had some training in this, and so I volunteered her to help uh, help me lead uh, lead you through it. I think it's a natural; it will be a natural extension once we've had the theological and biblical discussion and experience of hospitality to talk about how we make concrete plans to extend that hospitality um, further out into our world. So that's that's the overview. So what I want to do is walk you just real quickly through sermons and videos so you sort of know what to expect. And I don't have a video to show you because uh, we won't start filming them until this week. Uh, we have the, I guess, scripts, you might say, uh, the outline, but um, uh, AJ is going to help me with that. And AJ's been on a well-deserved vacation. And before that, I was on maybe a less-deserved break. But <laughs> anyway, so now we're back together. Uh, but we will have them for you um, uh, a few weeks ahead of time each one. So it won't be just like, oh, I'm going to see the video on Saturday night before we show it on Sunday. It's not um, It's not going to be like that. Adam? How are you distributing them? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, uh, Renee has some thoughts on that. And then part of it is we want to distribute them also in the way you want to receive them. So Renee's going to say, Renee, if you can say a word about that, and then if that's not a good way, then we'll... We'll work with AJ and Matt, and we'll get it to you in the format that's going to be most helpful. So that's part of the reason my job is this email. And so for those of y'all that I will see on Sunday, if I was going to bring them to you, as soon as I 
Okay, so like in a disk sort of format? Yeah. Okay, because we can also access it online. But we can't do that here on Sunday morning. Right, or so for some. Well, if you bring your computer. No, it'll crash. <laughs> it'll crash everybody. <laughs> <laughs> they could, yeah, but trying to download it at that moment would be, yeah, right. Thank you, Renee, for that. Exactly, we don't want that nightmare. We already crashed air conditioning today. Oh, yeah. We're trying not crashing. crash it. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I was going to try to get just to all the group here on Sunday mornings because um, a few of you realize you don't have players in your room, but we'll get that handled. And um, you have a player in there. So um, the other ones, that's why I have your emails to see how you want to get Thank you. And if you don't want to download, because he's right, you will put them out there to download it, but I know not everybody yeah, has that equipment to right. move that around. So we want to make sure everyone is covered without crashing anything. And so we'll work at that. And, and I'll say a little bit more. We'll be better prepared even than that uh, with you in this room if you are interested. But let me first just kind of uh, just walk you through it just so you get an idea of what the, what the flow is. Uh, for the sermon topics on Sunday morning are uh, uh, following this basic movement. The videos... Kind of, sort of, except um, uh, we cut them a little bit um, shorter so we can spend the last two talking about um, uh, the, the Feast of Sukkot and hospitality within that. So anyway, um, we will start on September 18th talking about creation as hospitality. It's probably pretty obvious if you think of it that, that we wouldn't be on this planet had God not made room for us. And what might that involve on God's part? Well, Scripture has something to say about it, but people who have commented on the scripture of the of the sanctuary of the centuries also have comments about what that involves. On when you think about God and God's, um, gosh, this will be such a weak term, immensity and uh, all encompassing of how that we're not overwhelmed, so that we can be here. I mean, you already realize some of what begins to go there. Uh, then uh, we will look at, again, what uh, several people say is that the next week, the critical verse in the New Testament, welcome one another as, um, as God in, in Christ has welcomed you. And we'll look at the cross as, um, as a, uh, a symbol of welcome. We don't often think of hospitality at the cross. It seems like the most inhospitable thing one can do, but one has to look at the other side of it, which is uh, the side of Jesus on the cross. Um, then the, the next week we start to move about, uh, about how we start to make a place for God. And, and so on World Communion Sunday, or the Communion Sunday, I think it's appropriate um, uh, to think about uh, how we, um, we make a place for God in our life. And we'll use the story of Abraham who actually turns from God, in a sense, to welcome God. But, but the, the theme here is uh, that that act of hospitality to God opens uh, in the text uh, this gift of new life and uh, from this new life will come uh, the line of the patriarchs and will come all sorts of amazing uh, things. So we'll talk about the miracle that's involved in hospitality. Then the next week we'll look at Mary and Martha, old favorites for some of us, unfortunately, sometimes old punching bags for people that are straw women, you know, want to just 
Um, but we'll hopefully um, give them an honoring uh, look, both, both of them, both Mary and Martha, but as looking at, at listening uh, to God as a way of uh, being hospitable to the presence of, uh, of God. You probably know one of the movements in, in Christianity, certainly in North America, is a greater and greater emphasis on, on contemplative life and, and, and practicing the presence of, of God. And so that, that is certainly a form of listening. Then we move to how we welcome others and we'll look at the scriptures around Sukkot on October 16th. This is the command to keep Sukkot uh, in Deuteronomy 16, uh, where in Sukkot, uh, Israel was to welcome God, one another. And you'll note provisions for those who we might consider on the margins or on the outside. And then we'll look at Jesus' um, uh, uh, um, explanation of when you have done this for the least of these, you've done it for me. Uh, on the last Sunday, remembering um, Mother Teresa's famous phrase about why what she sees in those uh, poor and sick and dying strangers, she sees Jesus in distressing disguise. And then I couldn't let hospitality go without somewhere sticking in the verse uh, from Hebrews, with which you may be um, uh, um, aware of, which is don't uh, neglect to show hospitality, for in doing so, some have entertained angels unawares. In the old King James, they put the plural on it. And that, of course, is a reference to Abraham. So on Sunday mornings, we're not showing videos in the sanctuary, and, and we're looking at different texts, but the theme is hospitality all the way through. Now, in Sunday school classes and, and small groups, uh, we'll be looking at hospitality, this on the other handout, from a, a slightly different twist, which is the Gospel of John. And I know it's very dangerous to do anything in the Gospel of John. You've probably heard uh, what uh, scholars say about it, which is John is shallow enough for a baby to bathe in and deep enough for an elephant to drown. And so you always take your chances because John communicates on so many levels at one time. But, uh, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. So we're jumping into John with an eye to all the um, expressions and um, angles of hospitality that we find in the Gospel of John. So in the very first week, we'll talk about um, uh, uh, John 1.14, where the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's actually a word picture in Greek, which is basically God became flesh and pitched a tent among us, which is an obvious and deliberate reference to uh, not only the tabernacle, but to the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is to, uh, uh, to, to Sukkot. So uh, we'll look at that, and I'll come back and say more about it in a moment. Then we'll look at how Jesus, you know, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go and prepare Anybody? A place for you. God making room for us. So we'll look at what that looks like. Then we'll switch gears uh, about how we make space for God, for God where Jesus, in one of the uh, uh, key uh, uh, chapters in all the Gospel of John, John 15 talks about abiding or remaining in him and uses this, uh, the metaphor of the uh, vine and the branches. So we'll be looking at that. And then uh, the last swing through John uh, is about Jesus and the Samaritan uh, woman. And I'm going to say a little bit more about each of those videos in a, a minute. And then the last two weeks, uh, 
uh, Dr. Darrell, so called not only because he has his doctorate, but actually because it was the Feast of Sukkot who brought that to you, um, will be sharing in two brief videos. Uh, he's got zillions of hours, I'm sure, of material, but distilling it down to about two seven-minute videos just reminding us about Sukkot. And remember, by this time, you're going to have uh, uh, the sukkah out here, uh, as well as the pumpkins. Uh, uh, probably and it's just like the ancient Israel. Just like the ancient Israel. Exactly. We're just following a biblical tradition there. And then of course you'll be seeing hopefully food trucks during the week and this sort of thing. So this will help you be able not only to understand it yourself but explain it to your friends. And um, uh, Daryl, I know we'll make this point, but just in case you think I have lost it, but you would have thought that long ago <laughs> before even now. God did direct that there would be three festivals that would be always kept. Passover, which of course we remember at Easter. Um, Pentecost, or um, Shavuot, uh, we celebrate Pentecost. We may not, don't do a bang-up job, but, but at least Donna lights a fire in the, in the sanctuary. We have, we have that. We almost burned the sanctuary down and caught my robe on fire both in recent years. Uh, but but Sukkot has always, as Christians, sort of escaped us, and there are such fundamental messages about God's provision and protection and about welcome and about God's plan uh, for uh, the consummation of God's kingdom. It's kind of all in there, and so it's a very profound feast. So the last two videos will be on that, okay? Now, let me just, just so you kind of know what's coming, I just want to tell you, basically, and AJ and I have not yet gotten together, I mean, we communicate email, so this could change somewhat, but my vision on the emails, I mean, on the videos, is for the most part, I'm sharing with you, and then we're trying to enhance it, whether it be with particular graphics or pictures or whatever, we probably won't have man or woman on the street interviews uh, about Sukkot, though you never know. But just to give you a feel, so well, when we talk about um, uh, John and and we start with uh, uh, the first uh, the first one about God with us, the story I'm going to lead off with and talk about is the parable Soren Kierkegaard came up with about 150 years ago. You may have heard it about a king who fell in love with a peasant woman, but the king had a real problem because uh, he was in the castle and she was out in the village. And he was afraid that uh, he might overwhelm her if she knew he was the king. And, uh, and that, so she wouldn't really have a, 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 a freedom to fall in love with him or not. Uh, he also, while he was, had another problem, while he was in the castle and she was in the village, it would have been very hard for him to actually meet her. And get to know her. So in this story, his advisors come up with a plan that he will leave his crown and his robes in the castle and he will live as a peasant among the people and with this woman. And so, of course, as the story goes, they do, in fact, fall in love and get married. But she begins to meet him for who he really is while having the freedom uh, to... um, uh, to get to know him and not be overwhelmed, and he gets a sense to know what her world is like. And Kierkegaard used that as, um, as one way of thinking about the Incarnation. Why does God leave heaven to come and be with us? 
And then I tell a story in there about um, uh, uh, people in Manila and the Philippines. It's not just there, but other places actually that live in a garbage dump. And the amazing thing is missionaries who have come from um, uh, Western world have actually now pitched their tent on the garbage dump. And they live there as well so that they can connect with them, know them, know what their life is. And so when you think about God, the incarnation, God is coming even further than we're coming from San Antonio to a garbage dump, you know, from our houses. It's, it's a bigger, much larger jump than that. So a couple stories like that and think about uh, what the incarnation um, might look like. Then when we get to the video about John 14, um, I tell a story of experience that I had uh, visiting uh, good friends in North Carolina a few weeks ago. They live in the mountains, and GPS doesn't work very well there, and they've tried giving me instructions, and I was having trouble. And so basically, uh, my good friend Chuck said, I will come down, which was about a 20-minute drive, from where I live to Cashers and I will meet you at such and such a place and then I will take you myself to our house. And so we go on this way that I haven't been uh, before and it's a way I couldn't have figured out by myself. And we get there and they have this lovely home in the mountains uh, of North Carolina overlooking Lake Glenville. And not only do they have a lovely home overlooking the lake, but I have, um, well, with Pam, my own room across the hall from the theater room, which has movie seats and a huge screen. <laughs> so it's just kind of a, a picture of a place that not only was prepared that, that really um, uh, fit me, but someone coming and taking me where I couldn't have gone on my own. So that's kind of a, um, an opening story to, to think about that. The opening story for... Um, Remaining isn't, um, I don't know, it, it's a little more historical. And that is, if you've been with uh, Ray Vanderland or seen the videos, you may know that on the night, uh, last night in Jesus' life, which John 14 following, or about the last night, um, that in order to get um, uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane, from where we think the upper room was, they had to cross the temple, which many of them would have done on the night of Passover. Anyway, the doors to the temple would have been open, uh, in a sense, to, to kind of welcome people, and if they wanted to come in, let them know. But so inside the doors of the temple, which you could have seen, was a huge uh, cluster of a vine and grapes. Um, but the difference is it was made of gold, so it never grew. It had to be annually augmented. It was put there by Herod. And so in this video, I draw the distinctions between Herod's vine that he put there made of gold, which never grows, and from which no one ever eats uh, or partakes, and the difference between that and Jesus as the vine. And then we look in the video about what are some ways that we can remain in Jesus? How, how do uh, we make a place where his he can dwell in us and make his home in us. Um, uh, the fourth uh, video uh, idea I just flat out stole from N.T. Wright. Um, probably I'll acknowledge it on the video. But he reminds us of those children's books and children's activities. And sometimes these things even show up on Facebook today where they'll show you a picture and they'll say, what's wrong with this picture? 
and you try to pick out the thing or person that doesn't fit or they're doing something really, really strange. Or, um, of course, now in our political campaign, we like to zero in on people at a rally and say they don't belong there or they're nodding or laughing at the wrong time. But, uh, but no, this is more like, you know, you might have all these people from the 18th century in a picture and then somebody dressed, you know, in a, in a football helmet. Uh, and, so we, and so what we do is when a, when a Jew looks in Jesus' day at the picture of Jesus and the woman at the well, what's wrong with the picture? What do they see that's wrong? And there are a number of things wrong. A man talking to a woman alone at a well. Um, not a good thing. If you know the well stories in the Bible, what often happens when a man and a woman meet at the well to get water? They get married. That's right. Yeah. So what does that say for Jesus and then this woman? Well, so second, and then they would have, I mean, the disciples obviously were scandalized by Jesus having this conversation. Jesus had sent them away and they had come back. Uh, a second thing that's wrong with the picture is, is who the woman is. The woman's a Samaritan. And as you may know, Jews and Samaritans greatly disliked each other. There's all sorts of, of uh, reasons for that. When, um, when the uh, Jews were uh, freed by the Persians, from the grips of the Babylonians and then finally in uh, an edict allowed to go back to Israel and then so they make a home in Galilee. Uh, the people who opposed them from coming into that land and made life very difficult for these returning Jews returning from exile were the Samaritans. So that didn't that didn't sit well. And then, of course, they had religious differences. Um, which mountain was holy? Um, which books of the Bible counted for the Samaritans? It was just the first five, and for the, Jew, the, uh, the Jews, there were other things. So what's wrong with this picture? It's a woman. Um, and what's wrong with the picture? She's a Samaritan. The third thing's wrong with the picture is this particular woman who is midday at the well drawing water, which is unheard of. You would have gone in the morning. You would have gone in the evening, in, in the cool of the day. And the fact that she's there in the daytime uh, indicates that she's not interested in running into other people or other people are not interested in running into her in the morning and evening. And so she's been ostracized to a certain point. And then you find out that the woman has been married five times and is now living with someone who is not her husband. Now, we don't know why she's been divorced five times, um, uh, some are suggestible maybe because she couldn't produce an heir and was childless and so the man divorced her. Well, if that were the case, the, 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 the Jewish law, the understanding was that your wife had 10 years, you know, and why it was her fault, not the male's, I don't, don't know. But anyway, basically, so you couldn't have, so basically she would have had been married 50 years for that really to be issue. So perhaps there's some other issue. And there's even a possibility, and I know I'm watching too much TV, there's even a possibility one scholar suggests, do you think that she could have knocked off all five of her husbands? Maybe she wasn't divorced. Maybe she was a serial. Uh, yeah, I know. There's too much watching that, that. But anyway, interesting theories. But And then, of course, the fact that she is living with a man who who's not marrying her. For whatever reasons, he is not marrying her. Uh, and so there's all sorts of things about her reputation may not be the most sterling, and here's Jesus with her. So there's a lot wrong with this picture, and so what you see are normal barriers that we, uh, that we have to cross in hospitality, sometimes barriers of gender, sometimes a barrier 
of race or social class, and sometimes barriers with people we think are behaving less uh, uprightly than they ought. And Jesus crosses all of these in this encounter, so the video kind of looks at that. So that's uh, what I've done. Daryl, have you thought about how you're going to take all of your stuff and distill it into two? We won't put all of it, in. <laughs> uh, but the first one we'll, we'll definitely kind of look at the picture. John's definitely doing some uh, maybe sarcastic commentary about how Jesus is received at the Festival of Sukkot. Um, we did our little talk a minute ago about our worst welcome. Mm-hmm. Jesus might put that in one of his <laughs> welcome category, which is ironic. Given that all of Jerusalem is supposed to be celebrating this feast of hospitality, yeah. and this is John seven, right? John seven. John seven. And Jesus comes and is, is not well received, does not get a hospitable welcome. Um, and John's definitely trying to show us that, um, coupling that with his statement in John one that says the Lord came in Sukkah or tabernacled among us, and then kind of fast forward to him actually going to the feast, and it's not. Well, and we'll probably pick up a little bit of John 8 if that's all right, mm-hmm. because then that story is followed with um, a woman not getting a very hospitable yeah. treatment. <laughs> I'd say. As well. yeah. um, so just kind of talking about that and what, what John's saying there. And then uh, the second one, I'm hoping we can um, pick up some pre made, um, professionally made videos from our Jewish brothers and sisters about Sukkot and then. And maybe less, more of that, and less of me. So, yeah. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Um, and are you going to pick up that? I can't even remember what was it that song about the uh, shaking the lulav. Yes. And it's to the right. tune of. Uh, uh, no. Oh, it's, it's an old. It's not twist and shout, is it? Oh, what yeah, is? Is it to twist and shout? A tune that might be familiar to you, only with the lulav. It's pretty. It's pretty funny. It's. Uh, uh, it, it's worth a view. So, in any way, my vision is, uh, which doesn't have to be yours, but my vision is to you watch these videos and then we give you four to five questions. And so with a ten-minute video and four to five questions, you can, I think, cover it and get people into the topic of that day. But as Jesus says in John 14, uh, or 15, I guess, I will not leave you orphans. So I want to extend an invitation um, and Renee, I hopefully will help me follow up with you. And that is the Sunday before each class. So if it starts the 18th, September 11th, for any who are willing, I would be glad to meet you on a, on Sunday afternoon and and have us look at the video together. And let me try out the questions with you, and then you can like say, well, wait a minute, what did you mean by this question? Or is that really where? you think it's most helpful to go, and then we can kind of, um, of walk through it. And I want to open that to you. Now, the difficulty with that, it will be smack in the middle of football games. So you may have to choose between Jesus and football. So, uh, but anyway, if you're interested, so I'd like, to, I'd like to, um, uh, to provide that opportunity. The other thing it does for me is, is I, I'm, I become more desirous um, each semester, in a sense, fall and spring, um, to to spend um, uh, a time and more kind of interactively with people. Um, I've enjoyed and have taught on Tuesday lecture style, which 
fits my linearness. Um, and Tuesday at, at mornings at 10 and Sunday afternoons at 5. But my hope is, uh, is now to move to more interactive um, kinds of things. And so this gives me kind of a format to, to do that. So we, you know, we, you may even say, you know, well, I get it and know where you're going, but I have this question about hospitality, and we may run and, and chase down, that down. So um, my hope would be that it would probably be like 3.30 Sunday afternoons for about an hour. Um, followed, for those who are interested in, in a, a, I guess, a, a book that will help us be hospitable to ourselves and to other people on, on something, an ancient um, uh, wisdom called the Enneagram. Uh, we think it's hard to chase it down. A monk in the 4th or 5th century, uh, it's a way of understanding people, including yourself. And so uh, Dinah and Daryl and, and I'll be assisting in a small way, will be uh, leading that discussion at 5 o'clock. So you could have maybe like more hospitality than you'd actually want on a single <laughs> Sunday afternoon, but, um, but I, I would like to have it um, for you. So if you're interested, I want to be there. And of course, you can email me during the week saying, I can't get there, but I looked at the video and I really don't know what you're after with this question. And, you know, do you, is there another way I could phrase this question? What would be more helpful? And, of course, I will um, try to get back with you. Then I hope after October 16th, it's my hope that some of you will be interested in further training and thinking and visioning about how we become more hospitable to different groups of people, different ages, different backgrounds, and uh, so we can begin to take the things that we've thought about biblically in sermons and videos and actually say, okay, let's dream and vision about what this could look like in, in, the, um, uh, in the days ahead. And so as I said, I think Jackie has special training that will help us walk through that. And um, so I want to extend to you that as well. So um, questions you have at this stage? Adam. Um, okay, I got Okay, go ahead. Uh, what are the children or youth doing in connection to this? Uh, children, I am not sure they're doing anything in particular um, in relation to this. And Stacy, youth, uh, I know the senior high, there's. Let's go ahead. Well, we, we were going to attempt in the senior high class, not just with hospitality, but for this entire school year to sort of follow the rabbi and whatever's being taught on by David to also try to do that in the senior high class. We're going to be able to hit two of these because we had already planned to do stars first, so we're actually going to catch up with you guys on Sukkot. Uh, but our goal is to either do what the actual sermon is, which might be more beneficial to them. I'm not sure if the... The, 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 the videos sound to me like they're sort of an offshoot of what the sermon is, and I don't know, a senior high class might need the basics. Okay. So we may be sticking more with the sermon than the videos. I'm not sure. And do you have another question? Yes. Uh, okay. okay. So how, um, I, I get the sense we have a lot of people that come to church on Sunday that don't have a Sunday school or a small group. So how do we, how do we give them this invitation and, and Get, get them in a place where they're going to see the videos and have a chance to dialogue. Yeah. yeah, thank you. That That's a great question. I don't have an answer to that because my original plan was um, to open Sunday, middle of Sunday afternoon to do that. Maybe we could let them join leaders. 
but I decided it would be more beneficial for discipling across the board to give you more resources than to open it to others. But I, I don't, I don't know why I couldn't do both. But could, could we, I mean, it could just be as simple as when we talk about this thing to tell people if you're interested, you're not necessarily connected in the class right now to talk. To to oh, well, certainly that. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. Just, I feel like sometimes we make the assumption that people are. Yeah, that everybody's in there. That's like, not a good assumption. And I'm, not, and I'm not sure that. Yeah. You know, there's not. No, thank you. I, th- I think you're right about that. But I did at first think, well, I'll just have my own large group, you know, and show the video or whatever. But I, I just, I think it's, for me, it's, I, I, it's more intentional to, to be with y'all and give you whatever you would need that would be helpful. I'd rather, I'd rather do that. So, yeah, man. Would this be the pretty much the sum of our programs for the next six months, six weeks? In other words, this would be our Sunday school program, so to speak. Yes, if, if you chose, yeah. For all these days. Yes. Yeah. Those now, should you decide to accept this mission? Would you yeah. need pretty, pretty much from what you've said, David? You need pretty much need the same person to carry this through uh, for the whole period. I don't think you'd want to change teachers every. And I don't know that you'd even. What we, I'm afraid I don't know as far as having a teacher in the class because we really don't have any teachers in our singles class. We depend on the speaker mm-hmm. to be the teacher. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if we will be able to facilitate. Okay. Yeah, you know, having, why not just have a facilitator open it up with questions after the video? That's what it would consist of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Or you could, or you could, for a temporary period of time, go to another class altogether. That's true. Or, or merge with another that has a regular teacher. Just, just right. a six weeks period and take advantage of their instruction. Yeah. Go deal with another class. That we yeah. Need the same time. Time. Yeah. Same time we do. We actually hope that some classes will join together just to know each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everything's done. It goes the way you expect it to be. Uh, what's going to change? What's it going to look like? What's the objective? Yeah, uh, the objective is uh, twofold. There's a pragmatic ob- objective because it goes hand in hand with us uh, working campus wide at trying to improve hospitality to some practical level for visitors and for other people. What, and, but I, the deeper thing for me is this. I would like to see it lived out in the lives of our people. That they will they will make a place for the stranger. And the stranger could just be somebody you don't know at this church. I, I really think this is a core biblical value. So I really, I'm really hoping it will have some effect on how people live and interact. Stop talking and start walking. Could be a, a good... Yeah, could be a, a, a good way. But the more I got into it, it really it started out pragmatic. I was with the planning group more than a year ago. We said we, we should improve our hospitality. We thought of it in terms of functional kinds of things. But the more I dug into the subject, biblically and theologically, I said, wait, wait a minute. This is so much bigger than that in the scripture. It's not um, uh, you know, signing a register and then somebody brings you a, a flower or a loaf of bread or something. You know, um, So uh, there's, there's more than that. So I'm hoping it actually gets dare I say, incarnated in the lives of some people. Would it work since we've got something pretty much spelled out and we'd be through by then, but uh, would it work to uh, send the videos out uh, and have the group uh, look at them before they come to class and then discuss the questions in class at the beginning of class and then move into whatever we've been doing before so that we don't lose if that's how you would like it. Yeah, you have to I mean, so everybody should consider that if their group would be accepted. I mean, we have groups here that that won't work, but if, if that will work for your group, yeah. 
yet there are certain of these vehicles for you to download the video and so your whole class could download the video. You could they could get the link and you could ask them to do that. Yeah, I, I would I would um, my hope is that you would look and discuss at this. How you choose to do that, um, I, I would want you to to be to be free and feel like what is the most helpful and appropriate adaptation. I'm just offering it. We're doing it, you know, in the sermons and we're discussing it among the staff and in each of the different areas. Is talking about how they can improve hospitality in, in their area. So it, it's happening. I just want to invite you to join along and, and, and encourage you to figure out what's the most appropriate adaptation that fits your your group. I, I just appreciate your willingness to look at it and to be here for this discussion. We we have done something a little bit different in class, and then I send out questions in an email and uh, ask different questions. This is scripture we're going to cover. These are the questions that come to mind. Yeah. Think about it. When we come to class, we discuss and now the class we only got through the first 12 verses of uh, James today you know it sounds like you've done a great job because of your group yeah, yeah. so yeah. this would probably fit yeah, yeah. That, that form. Form. yeah. I mean, so I really I really see that with the download availability you'll have a you can certainly could you do it where we can get it on email like they do other things no I mean there'll be a place where we'll yeah. send, the, we'll send yeah. you a link about where to go get it right. and everybody and you can send that link to everybody then you can send it out yeah and they can watch it on their yeah right yeah sure sure that would be a way to do it and I'll, I would call time out after this I'll hang around, but I, I want to honor the time. Yeah. One question: Are you going to be doing a parallel track in New uh, Heights? Yeah. Yeah. And then, is it a possibility that maybe like a Tuesday or a Wednesday study along this could be done, say, in the daytime, like in place of your book review, mm-hmm. to offer to other groups who aren't connected to a Sunday? Yeah, that was an option I'd actually looked at for Sunday afternoon. I'd say anything is possible. Um, I'll, I'll have I'll have to look at that. So yeah. I, I, yeah. So I think he's saying yeah, how wedded are y'all to your plan? You are, they already have the plan for the five and ten and the Sunday and the Tuesday. Is the book you mentioned? Well, yeah. No, the book is just Sunday. So Tuesday okay. is a possibility. We've been meeting, having a, a um, smaller staff meeting on Tuesday, but we could probably. Think about this. So I I will consider that. I can't I can't facilitate. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Well, thank you for um, doing this. It really it is. And thank you. I I guess I just you know didn't clearly state the goal. My thing is that it gets lived out in our lives. I, I can't as I look at biblical values. It's right up there at the top. Um, uh, there are people, they don't say this much anymore, a lot of people used to say that the key verse in the Torah was a wandering Aramean was my father. And so they talked about um, uh, uh, that the Jews themselves were wandering people, that they were strangers in every land, and so that was like a key verse, and then they were encouraged then to be welcoming to others as they came in to their own land, and if you put that with Romans 15, 7, it's all the way. And this is just an age where we just need to open, be open and make a place um, for others, for God, as God has made a place for us as well. So, thank, uh, thank you all. Do you have everything you need, Renee, in terms of... Okay, blessings. Thank you.